0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, SensCast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy.
1: Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good. Busy, but uh, we're making our way through it. Hey, that's all we can do, right? It's
0: Obviously, we're heading into spring. Spring's always a busy time for everybody, but we're here, we're on this side of the dirt, and everything's looked good
1: yeah yeah and can't believe we're already getting into April eh well getting into we're almost halfway through
0: I was gonna say yeah we're almost to the halfway point of April but I'll tell you what we should talk about today Tim is our cover athlete for today's episode season six episode 25 in chronological order episode 149 the Chris DiDomenico episode of the third line plug sensecast so, just a little background about Chris Domenico. He was drafted 164th overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2007. He spent his entire NHL career with the Ottawa Senators, recording six goals, four assists for 10 points in 27 games. Diamenico is one of those guys who I remember back in 2017 when he played for his... He played a couple of games, I definitely remember. You know what I immediately think of, and this is instantly going to be a throwback for you. Do you remember when we were doing our practice episodes of Third Line Plug? And I made the comment about D-Dominico when I said he sounds like wrestler Dean uh, Milenko?
1: Wow, I do not remember that.
0: Really? No.
1: Yeah, forever. Those practice episodes are six years old at this point.
0: (laughs) I know. And And nobody's ever heard them.
1: Well, people might have heard one of them.
0: No, they heard the very first one.
1: Yeah, not that one.
0: Oh, that was so cringe when you go back and listen. It was like, oh,
1: God. It, somebody actually listened to this? <laughs> but no, Christy Domenico was an interesting player where he just kind of was this pretty effective third line guy who just had a career derailed by some of the most gruesome injuries imaginable, including a broken femur. And he was... He has continued to have an all right career in Europe, sometimes shows up to play Spangler Cup. But yeah, it's like there could have been a very good hockey player there. And you def- he had the kind of the hockey brain and, and the ability to do at least a bit of that. But unfortunately, injuries derailed that whole career.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, injuries are a part of the game. And you see just how many careers have been derailed due to injuries. We saw it even in our history with guys like Pascal Leclerc when we picked him up from Columbus. But yeah, Dito is, that's really the only thing I really remember of him was that I made the reference to Dean Malenko in our practice episodes. But, you know, I actually forgot about the broken femur. I remember seeing that and even I was like, oh.
1: He is still playing hockey in Switzerland though. So like the guy never let it stop him which is kind of incredible.
0: You know what's funny? I've actually heard that hockey in Switzerland is so cool because it's one of those things, like when you go to countries like that, like Austria or Germany, you go to countries like this where, yeah, you're playing in front of really good crowds, but then you go outside and you see some of those, and you live in the most beautiful cities in the world. Like I remember... Uh, Josh Hennessy. He was on Spit and Checklist talking about what yeah. he played over in Switzerland. And he says, Yeah, like I was living in Zurich in the which, Swiss Alps.
1: Yeah, which is also like one of the wealthiest countries in the world. But well, let's go to this bird hockey team for 2022 2023. And uh, is this a sense throwback squad? Christy yeah. Dominico, Oscar Lindbergh, Colton Sevier, Raymond Understadter, Tyler Ennis. Romaine Lawful, Tristan Schwery, Dominic Cahoon, Simon Moser, Benjamin Bower, Thierry Bader, Cody Golubuff, Eric Chelano. <laughs> Just there was like five former senators on that team.
0: What's this team called?
1: Uh, this is Burn.
0: The Burn Senators,
1: it's Burn Senators now, apparently.
0: Yeah, in the way that Senators fans have dubbed. North the North, uh, University of North Dakota. Nodak Sens.
1: Although I think all the Sense prospects have now graduated from Nodak. Actually, who's the coach on this team? Oh, uh, it doesn't say. But that would be incredible if the coach was also like Crow or something. He was coaching
0: over there. I think he got suspended or fired or something this past year. Because he... What did he do? He wasn't like a racial slur, but it was a homophobic slur on the bench.
1: Oh, like that time he called Chris Sopel a slur. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I will tell you one thing. I remember Brent Sopals at Canuck and my dad, I remember, hated him. Terrible skater. He was one of those guys that my dad always said. He says, yeah. I mean, like if my dad was sitting here, he would tell you that he remembers telling the guys he used to work with. He says, you know what? I bet you anything. If I had a foot race with Brent Sopel up and down the ice, he probably could have beat him. <laughs> like Solks was just one of those guys that you watch he was such just such a lumbering skater that you just questioned why were you in the nhl wow but i mean the hockey like 20 years ago was so much different than it is now though like if That's you go back and watch cool. games from, like 2003 you just questioned why any of us thought that was good
1: it almost feels like something good did come out of that lockout because, like, yeah, hockey has changed so much. Like, between, like, the salary cap, the massive, inc- the continued increase in athleticism, the rules, revisions.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of them that have really blew up in, yeah, in hockey space, like the no-touch icing, because you've seen how many guys yeah. have gotten injured on those.
1: Yeah, although it's, like, The previous icing rule, a lot of guys did get, like, touch icing people did get injured probably more on that one. That one's tough.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think it should have been one of those rules. One of the rules I've always argued, I mean, the instigator rule should have been taken out when the lockout ended. That's probably the one rule I could argue to take out because honestly, what did it
1: really help? It's tough because it's like You do kind of want to reduce the amount of fighting in the NHL because fighting is a great a a A way to just turn someone's brain into mush. But it's like you kind of need quality officiating if you're going to remove the vigilante element. And the NHL is still missing that.
0: Yeah, but the people's argument when it comes to the instigator rule is that when the rule got put in, now all of a sudden you can take a run at a superstar and you don't have to answer for it.
1: Right, but if you actually have quality officiating, then the answer is you miss X many games with all that, all the money involved. So you don't need the vigilante. The problem is just the NHL's officiating is and especially DPOS, sorry, Department of Player Safety is just not not adequate for the job at this point. So you get that higher risk behavior.
0: No, but you know what? I would imagine that's such a thankless job
1: because you watch
0: everything and you're the one that has to make the final call. Okay, is that just a penalty or is that a suspension?
1: Right. No, I agree it's a thankless job, but I just don't think they're heavy-handed enough, to be honest. Like, they need to be, like, heavy-handed and consistent so that those plays just stop being part of hockey so guys don't miss, like, they know that, yeah, if I do something this stupid, even if I don't injure the guy, I'm going to miss 10 games.
0: And I think that's why that you see a lot of ex-tough guys go into that role, because they can put themselves in that position of, okay, if I was doing this, what would be the appropriate call of action?
1: Yeah. Because it's still Peros, right?
0: I believe it's Paros. If I'm not mistaken, which, I mean, he's an incredibly smart individual. I think he went to Princeton
1: or something. NHL.
0: let me have a look here. NHL director, Yeah, like,
1: I don't uh, doubt that he's a smart guy.
0: Director of player safety. It is George Paros. It's funny, like, one of the first articles is Rangers say NHL's director... Player personnel is unfit to continue in his role. Oh, wow. So that's from like three, two, uh, not three or two years ago,
1: 2021. Well, the NHL disagreed, I guess.
0: <laughs> that's true, man. That is true. So we're going to move to talking about Christy Domenico and announce our cover athlete for next week's episode, season six, episode 26, in chronological order, episode 150. The Patrick Seeloff edition.
1: Well, that's going to be a quick one. He ran Clark MacArthur in practice and scored two goals in two games. Great guy.
0: Oh, my God. You know what would be amazing? If we can get Bobby Ryan on for next week's episode and just have Bobby say, why the fuck would you do that?
1: Yeah, like just ask him about the Pat Seeloff incident.
0: Yeah, because I think if I'm not mistaken, I think on, not coming on, not coming in hot. I believe it was the, I oh, want to say Wally Mathod. I, I I might be wrong. I think they've had either Bobby Ryan or Patrick Seeloff on the show to talk about that moment. I want to say it's Bobby Ryan. I think Bobby Ryan did talk about that though. Oh wow! I hope Clark McArthur's doing all right though. I, I wonder what he's up to nowadays.
1: Yeah, and like concussions are always tough
0: it is tough i mean i've had a concussion myself and they really do mess with you that's the one thing i think a lot of people don't take away when people think of a concussion it's okay yeah you have a headache you have this that and the next thing you just take a couple of weeks and you'll be fine no no it is nothing like that like once you get a concussion you are not the same and it's funny actually i was talking with a couple of the guys at work today because we were talking about the ufc and Concussions and shit like that. And I says, you yeah. know what? I said, it's funny. It's like, you know, you talk about CTE and how they were always linked to enforcers. But I believe it was Rick Martin who played for the Buffalo Sabres when he passed away a few years ago in a car accident. They did an autopsy on him. And he was a, I think he was like a 50 goal scorer in the NHL. And he had CTE.
1: Guy oh. was not a fighter.
0: Yeah. And that's just, just because of the overall physicality of the game. Yeah. Right? Because, uh, yeah sure you could make an. and it's so obviously you could make a, a link between head injuries and fighting yeah nobody makes that connection between head injuries and overall physicality in sports
1: yeah no well especially hockey like if you get hit and, even if you like trip and hit into the boards you've probably done some brain damage
0: yeah or you get body checked i mean it's funny because you People don't realize how unprotected your brain really is in your skull because if you go
1: like that your
0: brain goes like that
1: you know what it kind of makes me wonder just how many people in the 19th century just had cte and nobody knew what it was because like this is a lot of people that were working in heavy industry resource extraction without a lot of the safety comforts and safety controls that we have today like the like mining equipment was just nowhere near as good as it was factory safety standards were minimal i wonder if just a lot more people ended up getting concussions and cte on the job and just didn't know
0: yeah well it's also the the information over the last 20 years of what we know now about cte and actually that's what we're talking about we're talking about one of the guys i work with he mentioned about being punch drunk because yeah. when you take a punch and you just kind of stand there and you are all foggy, I says, yeah, like that was a term like a hundred years ago, but then it's evolved to what we know as CTE.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's sort of like how shell shock became PTSD.
0: Yeah, it's exactly what it was. It's just a different name. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, as much as we can honestly sit here and just go off about Patrick Seeloff and all that good stuff, it will definitely inevitable, Tim. And I like to ask the question, because our listeners like, one. how has your week been going?
1: It's been good. Just busy tying up uh, loose ends and uh, work stuff as well. So funnily enough, I'm going to be talking about a bunch of hockey games I didn't watch.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Now, I know for our listeners who listen to this podcast, your lovely wife, Chelsea, just entered the room. And I love the fact that her sweater is in
1: sense colors. Oh, that's actually dark blue. It doesn't really show up well in the camera. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, uh, I remember, uh we we're just looking for like final costume bits one day at Value Village, and uh, we just saw that on the rack. Chelsea's like, "Oh, Tim, you'd like that." I'm like, "Yeah, I would." So we bought it, and now she wears it.
0: I didn't say that at all.
1: Well, we bought it for me, and then it was like, so "You're I the one who wears one it." Part part section,
0: and I go, and You're like, "Oh, yeah, I like that sweater." And I went, "I was grabbing it for you."
1: Oh, okay. You know, I never but never thought that this episode would have a Chelsea
0: appearance, <laughs> and now we have a Chelsea. Appearance. Now we got one. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even think that was blue because what I'm seeing on the screen, it's black.
1: What I'm hearing is I need a better webcam.
0: Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) But it's one of those things where it's like that photo on social media years ago. Oh, the the dress. dress. Is
1: it black and gold? Was it black and gold and white? No, black and blue or white and gold? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what it kind of looks like for me. It's like... Because I see black, and while you're sitting there, like, no, it's blue.
1: No, no, no. Like on the webcam image, I also see black. But in like actuality, it is a navy blue. In
0: actuality,
1: okay. Looks good though. I
0: mean, I thought it was in suns colors, and it is a dark enough blue that
1: you could probably match it with a sun, centr- like put a sun centr- underneath, wear that and over top, and it wouldn't look weird.
0: Yeah, honestly, it kind of has, like, the barber pole, like the 67s.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does.
0: It's the barber pole. Look, I like it. So I'll recap my week a little bit, Tim, because as our listeners may have known last week when you were listening to how I was talking, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, and I was just finally getting over it when we were on last week's episode, and it was, like, one of the first days I finally felt healthy. And then Katrina got sick. <laughs> and that sucks. And you and I were talking about this off air because it was just so shitty how, like, she spent all that time looking after me. I got healthy and then she got sick.
1: But at least it means, like, one is healthy enough to kind of take care of the other. So silver linings, I guess.
0: It's true. I mean, it's definitely one of those things where... I think about wasn't COVID. If it wasn't like contagious, I probably could have looked at, I could have done stuff for myself, but it was one of those things where I was isolated to that one room. So right. Fair, fair, fair. Katrina had to do a lot of things for me. So I was very thankful for her for doing that. And actually side note here when Katrina got COVID this past week, so I was staying in the spare room and Katrina came in. And she looks at me and she goes, she goes, Hey, I got a text for my brother. And I was like, Oh, she goes, yeah. He wanted to thank you for giving him and Devin a shout out on their podcast. And I was like, Justin listens to our podcast.
1: We gave them a shout out.
0: Yeah. I remember I gave, uh, oh, her brother. Yeah. Yeah, apparently her brother, Justin listens to the podcast.
1: And I apparently no I don't. <laughs>
0: I've never once even spoken to this guy, and I never even knew that he was in a podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, when she told me that, my first reaction was, Oh, what do I have to explain? And she's like, Oh, no, no, it's a good thing. Oh, okay. Oh, very very good. We accept that. Now, actually, one question I didn't get a chance to ask Tim because we just passed Easter weekend. Did you and Chelsea get up to anything or just keep it low-key?
1: I got baptized.
0: <laughs> okay, now, I think we've, we have talked about this on the show, correct him?
1: Yeah, I think so. So, I guess I could just quickly explain the Easter, so how it works is, uh, whenever the Catholic Church uh, baptizes adults, it always happens Easter, like the Easter Vigil, which is, uh. It was originally a like a midnight mass that started like the night of the Saturday going into the Sunday. But then the church realized maybe maybe that's not a good idea. So they just made it Saturday night starting whenever it gets dark. And so like the mass actually starts in like complete darkness. Then like the priest proceeds in with the people that are about to get baptized and the deacons with them with a giant candle. And then everyone else has little candles that they light from the big candle. So then, like, all of a sudden, like, the church is just awash in candlelight. And uh, they sing, like, an ancient hymn. Then we put out the candles and use, like, a spotlight and read a bunch of readings from the Old Testament, sing some hymns. And then the lights come on. Okay. And then they do uh, the gospel readings, uh, proclaim Jesus is alive. And then uh, they go on and do the baptisms. And some churches, they'll do, like, sprinkle water on the head for the baptism. Our church does full immersion.
0: Okay, so they fully dunked. I got
1: dunked. Like, the whole body goes in.
0: Oh, the whole body goes in. Okay. I I have seen those things when they're in Jerusalem and they do that in the water, but... Yeah. I didn't think they actually did that in an actual church.
1: Oh, yeah. We rented, like, a guess it's a hot tub, but it was, like, a big enough tub that, like, if an adult's kneeling down and someone, like, pushes on their back, the whole body goes under.
0: Okay, so it's not like a... You You know those big metal, like, ice tubs? Like ice baths and shit?
1: No. Thankfully, it was nicer than that. Okay. It was like one of those inflatable ones. And uh, I was at the church earlier in the day for uh, some other stuff that we had to do pre-baptism. And uh, the hot tub arrived earlier than expected. So I had to help people like rearrange a bunch of stuff so we could get this thing into (laughs) church. And it's like, how is it the first time that I go into a confessional is to move stuff around to access the door so the hot the thing that I'm gonna get baptized in can get in here. Like, oh, no,
0: honestly, that sounds ridiculous. like a great story though that you have.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's a good story. And then uh the guy they kind of arranged it so like all the women being baptized would be dunked first so that they had more time to like dry their hair and come up before we did uh confirmations in first communion, while the guys got baptized a bit later. And the guy before me, like everyone else, was like, like it was, they're going under. And then the guy behind, in front of me, just went right in. And like, and everyone's like, yeah, I'm like, okay, how do I, I gotta follow that up now. So I just like let my body go limp as the priest pushes me in. My nose (laughs) hits the bottom of the tub. (laughs) And uh, so you get back. When you get baptized, it's like I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
0: I was gonna say, what are you from? From New York? I pronounce you the Father.
1: Oh no, but it's like I got dunked three times, right? Okay. And then, like, I like get out of the tub. Like, I'm not wearing my glasses. I've just cut. Kind of... I was like, I don't want to swallow the baptism water, so uh, like, I'm not. I just stopped breathing.
0: Yeah, but I think how blessed your insides would be, though.
1: Oh, so true, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to drink the baptismal waters.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I know really nothing about being baptized and, and stuff, so I don't I'll know. I'll ask. I'll
1: ask. You'll have no, to ask. It seems it be it's like deep. an odd
0: question to ask, too.
1: What What have I. Was Was it okay if I drank a little of the baptism water while I was going, getting immersed? Important question.
0: Yeah, since you're not gonna be able to give me wine, would it help wash down the wafer a little bit?
1: <laughs> yeah. So then, like, I kind of... Sorry, I'm, I'm so to... To for that. That's terrible. But anyway, like, then, I, like, I stepped out of the tub, and like, I was like completely disoriented, couldn't see, it soaking wet, and I almost walked into a wall.
0: Okay, so I got a funny story to tell you. So on Saturday, when Katrina and I went for lunch with her birth mom, I got out of the car, I closed the door, I'm throwing the, this hoodie, I'm throwing this yeah. hoodie on. And I'm, like, getting... I got stuck in the hoodie, and I'm walking to get onto the sidewalk. I finally got my head through the little hole, and there's, like, a pole right there. I almost walked into it.
1: I still remember uh, one time I was walking from uh, my place up and dunking down to the school bus in uh, in high school. And I was, like, trying... For some reason, trying to fit, like, my calculator into my bag, because, like, I just quickly grabbed it and ran. And I walked smack into a post. Ooh. And the worst thing is is like you turn around to look where you're going. And as you're turning around, you just get like as much of your face as possible with the pole.
0: Oh, I know all like, about that. Boom. Is that just at the at the school just down the hill here?
1: No, it's just like one, yeah, like kind of on like the main hill, right? Yeah. That's you know how there's is. like the big there's like the streetlights yeah. that adorn it. Like they're just like your standard city streetlights. Boom into one of those.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I'm talking like the school that you got the school bus at. That's just at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, by... at the
1: base of the hill, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. See, I just live up the hill. I just live up the road from where you did now, Tim. So yeah, crazy. I know all about it. Yeah. Actually, I do want to mention one thing about baptism. Do you remember when COVID first became a thing? And there was photos on on the internet of the priests and they had the little water guns shooting at the kids being baptized do you remember those
1: yeah because it's like it's not like it's kind of ridiculous to like when they're shutting down the churches, like okay i get it and then they let all those protests happen i'm like okay it's ridiculous that you're shutting down the churches but letting these protests go so yeah then you end up with like these silly photos of like yeah kids getting shot with water guns for baptism
0: i know the only thing i'm picturing is the father of the church, he comes out with a super soaker and he's like, come in, Mr. (laughs)
1: Jense. But, uh, what?
0: I mean, I would have shot you in the face with a super soaker. It would have been funny.
1: I mean, Oh, I'll have to say Chelsea got a bunch of photos of, uh, the bat of being baptized. And there's a really good one of like the pastor looks like he's having a great time. And I'm just absolutely soaked.
0: Okay. You know what? Yes. I have
1: to send you that photo.
0: Uh, she's in the room, too. You should just yeah. like, let her know.
1: And then uh, after like I got kind of walked out of the church to go dry off and change, they were doing like, kind of for people who were baptized but not confirmed, uh, they did like a little ritual thing where they uh, threw holy water on the them to kind of renew their baptismal vows. And Chelsea was like kind of sitting next to me and she was in the blast radius. Oh, Pardon?
0: You were, you were, yeah, I wasn't there. So, Everybody was in the latest,
1: They went up and down the aisles. <laughs> they went up and down the aisles, just like sprayed. Like, oh, so Chelsea also got wet. Not really. Not to the same degree, but nowhere near the same degree. Well, no. I mean, last time I checked, she wasn't being dunked in the tank. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So oh, and then they made a so then we had a reception afterwards and. I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but uh, one of the rites that you do before baptism is called the rite of uh, acceptance
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the rite of election. And the rite of election happens at the, like, the main cathedral of your parish, sorry, of your diocese. And uh, the bishop took a photo with all of us. And in this photo with the bishop, my face is being covered by his staff. And they use that photo on the cake for the reception. So Chelsea got. Chelsea intentionally hovered around the cake until she could feasibly take that particular piece. Nice.
0: <laughs> Chelsea's a real one. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, unfortunately, because Katrina got COVID this past week, we had to cancel our Vancouver trip. We're going to go watch the Canucks this past Saturday night. Oh, which really sucks because I was watching the game here at home.
1: Who was a good one?
0: It was a really good one. Yeah, we really missed a good one. But I will say though, hats off to Sportsnet because John Garrett was doing his final regional game, and they did him and Josh House to have that to call that game. Oh, that's actually really on nice. The actual broadcast, so I thought that was really cool, but yeah, it was it was one of the things. I will say one cool thing because you know I did and because ultimately we canceled, I had to sell the tickets. Did I mention who I sold the tickets to? No, you didn't. Okay, so do you I, I know you don't you're not on TikTok, but do you know of the Geo Metro guys?
1: Like as in the car, the Geo Metro?
0: Yeah, you know the car. There was okay, so there was these two young guys from Nanaimo. They had a 1991 Geo Metro, and they drove across Canada this past summer. Oh wow! And they made a TikTok account, and yeah, they became well known
1: about it. This... Oh, my buddy used to have a 199 like like a 90 91 uh, Geo Metro, and it was like the most ghetto car ever. But the yep. gas mileage was sublime.
0: Oh my God, it was amazing for them driving across Canada. But anyway, so on my other podcast at Great White Gipster, I got a chance to interview the Geo Metro guys back in September. And Matt, who's one of the GeoMetro guys, is a big Flames fan. So I sold my tickets to him.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember the Metros. <laughs> and I remember, I've done a road trip at a Geo Metro before.
0: Okay, you need to tell this story.
1: We only went to Seattle. But it was just, like... Yeah, just being crammed in the back of a Geo Metro with, uh, like, three other dudes.
0: Oh, that's brutal. Can you
1: imagine that Geo Metro
0: and the i5 going...
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, my my buddy likes to drive fast, so uh, <laughs> he was going uh, 140, 150 on the i5. First
0: of all, there's no way a fucking Geo Metro would hit 140. A hundred... No, not 160, 140 they top out in. Because my cousin, yeah. he didn't have oh, a Geometro, okay. but he had a... It was very... A Pontiac Firefly.
1: You gotta look one of these things up. Oh, my dad lucky. had one of those. Did he? Yeah, that thing... Yeah, he got that thing easily to 140.
0: I oh my God, it was funny, because it's one of those cards where... For those who don't know what a Pontiac Firefly is, please, please Google what that is, because... I remember my cousins had one of those when they were teenagers and we went to the driving. I I told the story. We went to the driving range when I was a kid and we were leaving and my cousin started doing donuts in the Firefly, (laughs) which (laughs) by the way, you'd be amazed
1: that that car could do it. Do they even sell subcompacts anymore? Like just as a class of car?
0: No, I, I think that's completely been eliminated now.
1: Yeah, but yeah, my dad had a Pontiac Firefly. That thing was awesome in the in the UK because like in Britain, like the roads are tiny, right?
0: Oh my God, yes.
1: Yeah, so like the subcompact was actually really nice. Oh God, can you imagine driving a North American vehicle in Japan where the roads are UK sized or smaller?
0: No. Uh,
1: like, oh yeah, I want to see someone take like an H2 or an H3 or something to go drive in Japan or like the Escalade.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, so you see this picture here? That's what my cousins look like.
1: Yeah, that looks like... So, yeah. uh
0: it was a white one, but it had, like, the square front. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, those oh things are ugly, man. Oh, <laughs> Good times, good times. So... Let's move away from talking about are we, Tim? Because we actually are going to talk about something that we usually don't talk about anymore on this show. Let's talk about last week's episode because now generally we just eliminated this from the rundown because honestly it gets to a point where it's like
1: it was good. Tim didn't listen to it.
0: <laughs> yes, neither did Tay. He recorded, edited, and everything, and he hasn't listened to it back. But this past week though, we got a really ch- We got a really cool opportunity. Chat with a gentleman from TikTok at that Solar Bears fan, John Hill. Great guy. I mean, I've been a fan of his for a while now. And we should talk about our experience working with him on the show last week, Tim.
1: It was actually pretty fun. I'm really glad we got to talk about Solar Bears because, man, those jerseys are sharp.
0: Right? It's weird. And you know what's funny? Actually, there's a YouTuber called The Hockey Guy. And he was showing off his American Hockey League team jerseys. Which, by the way, he has the San Diego Gulls, just saying. Oh, no. But there was one... But he was talking about... And one comment he made, because they had the Grand Rapids Griffins. And those things are so cool looking. And he's just like... I I think his comment was, I don't know who's designing these jerseys, but the NHL should hire them. Because you look at the NHL, and some of those logos are just kind of... Eh... But then you look at the American Hockey League teams, and you could tell they're just so creative in what they do. They really pop.
1: Well, it's like, they have to just to get any traction, right?
0: It is true, but even some of the East Coast teams, they got some pretty cool designs, though.
1: Do you have a favorite AHL design?
0: American Hockey League design? Yeah. Ooh. Good question. Good question. You know what? Okay, I'm going to quickly look up the American Hockey League team logos because I'm completely blanking on a few right now. Okay, let me have a little look. see.
1: Like, some of them are just, like, repackaged versions of their NHL counterparts. Like, Bellev- the Belleville Senators, the Abbotsford Canucks, the Providence Bruins are just like, yeah that is a bruins logo with a p instead of a b
0: yeah okay so i pulled it up here on a website of american hockey league logos i got to say the bridgeport islanders that look you know what it looks like it looks like the carry park islanders
1: which is so lame because bridgeport actually had a cool logo beforehand because yes. they used to be the sonic tigers sorry the bridgeport sound tigers so that was like that's cool
0: yeah. Uh, the Calgary Wranglers, I mean, they're just going with what the Flames are doing. I'm not gonna lie. Grand Rapid Griffins, like I mentioned. I really like the Coachella Valley Firebirds, though.
1: Oh, yeah. That one's lit.
0: You know what it looks like? It looks like the bird from the Hunger Games. Yeah. So, I like that. Uh, What other ones do I like here? I guess,
1: like, where do the hipsters... Do you think hipsters watch Hockey, Tay?
0: Well, I think the real question is, Tim, do hipsters still exist, or have they evolved?
1: They've probably evolved, but, like, Coachella is... Coachella is, like, their mecca, isn't it? Or am I thinking of a different city? No. Is that the right
0: music festival? Yeah, no, no okay. you're right. Yeah, Coachella. Although yeah, you I- got to hand it to Coachella, they are getting some pretty big name acts. It's not just like these smaller
1: Indiacs now. Mm-hmm. Well, like one when, when you could sell out you do, right?
0: Oh, easy. Easy. I'm okay. Do you have a favorite American Hockey League logo?
1: It was like it used to be the su- the Sound Tigers, but I think the Adriatic Fan well, I guess Lee Valley Phantoms now just looks good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I might have to go with Coachella. I might have to go with the Coachella family. Yeah, no, farmers.
1: that's a solid choice. Um,
0: yeah, th- th- I mean, Grand Rapids, that's a good one too, but.
1: The Wolf Pack is good. Yeah. The Hershey Bears is always a fun one.
0: The Manitoba Moose.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot the Moose are still around. And the Admirals, of course, is still, like, this is a skull Boats Pirate. That one's fun.
0: It is fun, you know. The only comment I have about the Wilkesbury Penguins is that if you look at it, it the more you really look at that logo, the more you see that it's so weird looking because of just how big the upper body is and how tiny the legs are on it.
1: So what you're saying is, the hockey playing penguin has skipped leg day.
0: One hundred percent.
1: And he's got eyebrows. Does he? Yeah, the Wilkes-Bar Scranton Pegwood's logo has eyebrows.
0: <laughs> oh my god, he totally does. Oh, here's a good one. Here's an underrated one. Syracuse Crunch. When oh, was a Yeti? What I, no, is that a Yeti? It looks like Iron Man.
1: Or, no, uh,
0: Silver Surfer, that's what it looks like.
1: I have to look at this one again. There's the Barracuda. I always thought the Syracuse Crunch were a Yeti. No, you're right. What are they going for there?
0: I'm not sure. I mean, the Chicago Wolves, I think if anything, that one needs to be updated. Yeah. Yeah. Although, did you hear that apparently next season, the Chicago Wolves are going to be one of the first American Hockey League teams in almost 20 years to be just independently run by themselves?
1: Wait, they're not someone's uh, farm team?
0: As of next year, no.
1: That's weird. Because at one point they were two teams farm team. Atlanta. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, actually, you know what? Those there have been American Hockey League teams that have been for both. Because Cincinnati, when they had a team, the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, they were the American Hockey League team for Anaheim and Detroit.
1: Yeah. Like it's not uncommon. And I remember in like Sean Avery writes about it in his book that like it was super weird because like you could tell like the team didn't really gel right because there was like three cultures going on. There was the culture from the ducks, the culture from Detroit and the culture from just the Cincinnati Barons players that weren't actually part of either system.
0: Yeah. And then of course you have Mike Babcock in the middle of it.
1: Yeah. Just all around weird.
0: Yeah. I think I have Abe's book around here somewhere. I brought it with me. So yeah. I'll have to read it. reread it here in a little while. Good one. But yeah, I'm going to say Chicago Wolves definitely needs to be updated. Because you could definitely do... But you know what? Those Chicago Wolves, I can honestly see them doing... Just being independent. Just because they do so well there.
1: Yeah. They're one of the AHL teams that just hasn't moved around a lot. Like them, Rochester, wilkes Barr. Providence. Providence.
0: Yep. Well, yeah. But you know what, though? That goes to show what... A really good relationship between the American and hockey NHL teams, though. Yeah. Like, Boston will always be in Providence. Buffalo will always be in Rochester.
1: I'll, I, was always, I was a little surprised that Adrianac moved to Lay Valley, honestly. But then again, like... Pennsylvania can be a little weird that way.
0: Yeah, because you don't realize how spread out Pennsylvania really is until you look at a map... Cause I always assumed like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia were fairly close to each other.
1: Oh, no, they're, they're like, a, not they're Pittsburgh's like
0: a, like the other end of yeah. the state.
1: They're like a three hour, three, four, five hour drive from each other. Like, I remember uh, like, uh, got a few friends from Pittsburgh who drove up to Toronto. I'm like, Oh, that I thought it was like, Oh, that's probably only going to be like a f- seven hour drive. No, I was just thinking it was like closer to Philadelphia. And then you just hit up on the highway and cross over. But uh, no, Pittsburgh was a lot further south than I thought.
0: Yeah, because I know even with Katrina and I, like we have plans to go to the East Coast one day to go do a big hockey trip where we do all New York teams, Jersey, Philly, possibly Boston, if we can get up there. But yeah, I looked at them like, oh yeah, Pennsylvania, Philly and Pittsburgh, that'll be easy. I look how Ooh. far apart they are and I was like, uh, maybe don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll tell you something that I will do though, Tim, is segue into this little segment I like to call Pop of the Hour. By the way, I'm looking at my SodaStream bottle and I just realized there's actually an expiry date on this. On the bottle? Yeah. Expires in 2026.
1: Huh wild.
0: It is wild. Now, speaking about Pittsburgh, Tim, we're going to kick off top of the air by talking about Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby, who became the 15th player in NHL history to record 1,500 points. Also, he became the sixth fastest player to do it as well.
1: That's actually really impressive.
0: It is, but it's one of those things, it goes back to what we've said in the past, it's how quicker could have Crosby done it had he not been injured in the early 2010s?
1: That's actually really true. Yeah,
0: it's kind of the same argument with Mario, right? It's how many more points could he have gotten had he been healthy his entire career.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's why the debate will forever rage who was the better player, Mario or Gretzky.
0: Yeah, like I'm not sure what side of the coin that you stand on that, Tim, but I've always said that I always found Mario to be the better player. One, because he didn't play his entire career healthy, but also... Because with Wayne, you look at the guy, okay, not the most physically dem- demanding guy in the world. Not the biggest, not the tallest. But with Mario, it was just a pain in the ass to take him down.
1: Oh, wait. well, like, yeah, he was big, he was strong, he was fast, and he was skilled. Yeah. At a time when most of the NHL really wasn't that.
0: No, and Mario was one of those guys where... I mentioned it last week's episode. It was like what Mark Madden said about him. Mario was one of those guys where he got the puck and he came at you and there was nothing you're going to do about it.
1: Yeah. It wasn't that he was going... It wasn't that you were going to stop him. It was how is he going to score.
0: Yeah. I mean, God, Christ, you look at some of those clips from back in the day of him going through guys' feet and stuff. I mean, I'm not talking scrub defensemen. I'm talking guys like Ray Bork who are like first ballot Hall of
1: Famers. Oh, yeah, or Brian Leach.
0: Yeah, it's... God, that guy was so good. But going back to Crosby, though, I mean, it really goes to show that we really are reaching the end of an era here where Crosby's now hitting 1,500 points and he might only have a couple of years left in his career.
1: Yeah, and it's unfortunate that uh, mismanagement at Pittsburgh is kind of and did that team's brilliance and dominance.
0: Yeah, but you know what though? I think there's an argument that could be made that the previous regime with Jim Rutherford he did everything to reopen that window in the mid 2010s because a lot of people figured that window was closed. Yeah. That okay, Crosby's here, Malkin's here, Latang's here, but there's no we're not good enough to get to the finals. Yeah, and then all of a sudden that window just cracks wide open, and they win back to back cups. Yeah, and I think that's an argument though is that how different Crosby's career might have looked at nowadays if he only had the one cup.
1: Yeah, the back to back really kind of cemented his legacy, and Ovechkin's the same way. Sure, he only had the one cup, but he has, he's on track to catch Gretzky right.
0: Yeah, he's cementing it in a whole different way.
1: Yeah.
0: Edmonton Oilers forward Ryan nugent Hopkins joins Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl as the first trio since the 1995-96 Pittsburgh Penguins to have three players hitting 100 points in an NHL season.
1: That Edmonton team is ridiculous. They're, they're on a seven-game win streak right now. They're probably going to go into the playoffs hot. Will they catch Vegas and take top spot in the Pacific? Who knows? But that is that team is not going to be fun to play in the playoffs.
0: No, and we're also forgetting here, Tim, is that, you know, it's funny because in that trade deadline, when they made the trade to get Effing. Matthias Enlom, yeah. I did not think they were going to get better on defense with him. We figured that okay, he's a good defenseman but is he really single-handedly going to make it better?
1: Yeah. And that it was tough, but like this Edmonton team I don't know I don't know how far they're going to go in the in the west, but I I don't want to if I'm any of those teams in the Pacific, I, I don't want to play them. Yeah,
0: but I think with Edmonton it's going to fall on how far Stuart Skinner can really take them
1: for sure because like Edmonton's offense has been stellar the defense seems to finally finally be
0: consistent doing
1: what needs to do consistently and Stuart Skinner looks like he has been like he's been playing well
0: 100% and has a great mustache too to
1: oh for do. sure
0: now i do want to say one thing before we head off into the next story here Tim you know when talking about that 95-96 Pittsburgh Penguins with those three players all three of those players played on the same line <laughs> Mario was on the left side I believe yeah, Mario was on the left side Yager was on the middle, is center and Ron Francis was on the right side and they went to the West Eastern Conference Finals where they got beat by the Florida Panthers
1: and nobody remembers that Rod Francis had hundred point seasons just because, like, the two guys next to him are like
0: Mario and Yager, Mario
1: and Jager, two of the greatest players to ever put them on.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people tend to forget that the season prior, Ron Francis was captain of the Penguins.
1: Yeah, like just wild stuff.
0: You know, when Ron, you know, when we talk about the most highly underappreciated players of all time. You got to throw Ron Francis's name in there. You really do. You really do. I mean, yeah, he single-handedly was the face of the Hartford Whalers. He put up great numbers. Gets traded to Pittsburgh, becomes, you know, a 1B center in Pittsburgh. That entire run. That
1: gets shifted up to the leg.
0: He goes to Carolina, takes them to the finals.
1: And I think he's been a legit, legitimately a pretty good GM too.
0: Yeah. Well, look at that second year with the Kraken; They've already clinched the playoffs. So
1: yeah, like just wild.
0: It is wild, Tim. It is wild. Now, what also is wild is New York Rangers defenseman, Adam Fox, who became the fourth active defenseman to record back-to-back 70-point seasons. Fox joins a list alongside John Carlson, Brent Burns, and Eric Carlson.
1: Half of that list is last named Carlson? That's it. That's so funny.
0: I think what's really funny, though, Tim, is, you know, it's funny. People wrote Eric Carlson off the entire time, and he is, what, two points behind 100 points right now?
1: Yep. And he probably will be the... First player since Brian Leach to do that as a defenseman. But at the same time, though, Adam Fox has had himself a season.
0: He really has. And he's part of a New York Rangers squad that you just look at it from top to bottom and you just marvel at the fact that the Rangers, what, five, six years ago, put out that press release saying, like, yeah, we're going to go into a full on rebuild. And then they go out and they get Antimmy Panarin.
1: Yeah, and then Fox falls into their lap.
0: Yeah, Fox is one of those guys who he fell out of Calgary's lap.
1: Well, he told Calgary, I'm not going to play with you. Then they trade him to Carolina, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm going to go to New York. Adam Fox is someone that's like, you are very good. You are very talented. I kind of hate it.
0: You hate it because of how good he is? But also because he had that attitude.
1: Like, he has just such a bad attitude.
0: Yeah, but I mean, look at all the players who've had bad attitudes in the past, and they've backed it up with talent.
1: Of course. That's like most of them, but... (laughs) Uh,
0: Unless your name is Ron Francis.
1: Yeah, of course. Actually, no, I think most players probably have a pretty good attitude about things, but yeah, just... I am so mad about that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty... Pretty shitty, but hey, it worked out great for the Rangers. So, yeah, now sticking with the Rangers, Tim, we also got to talk about New York Rangers for Chris Kreider, who moved into fifth place for the franchise record for most goals with 264. Kreider needed 13 to pass, and Bathgate for fourth all time at the time of the story,
1: you know. I didn't think Chris Kreider was going to repeat last season. But he's going to score for he could score 40 goals again. Like, yeah, it's not 52 like last season, but. 36 is respectable,
0: which I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was the first Ranger since since Yager to do it. Yeah. You know what's funny? The New York Rangers are one of those franchises that for an original 16, you really tend to forget that they're one of those teams that hasn't had a ton of player success on those teams. If you really think about it, they don't have many Norris Trophy winners. They don't have a Hart Trophy winner. No, that's not true. I think they have a Hart Trophy winner somewhere. Vesna Norris, I mean, the the most franchise record with 264. Yeah. This is an original six team that's been around for almost 100 years.
1: And they have, like, no, yeah, they have nothing to show for it.
0: Yeah, but even in the pre... You know what's sad, though? Even before 1994, when they won the Cup, they had the least amount of Cups among the original six franchises. I think they had Three re i think they were tied with the black arms
1: the ottawa senators had more and they only existed for like 20 years right yeah like that's wild
0: yeah and yet they're known as the fabulous blue shirts
1: i think the cut, co- the color of the uniform is doing all the work there tay
0: that's all they're doing man because you know what you have to imagine for a new york team one, you would think that they would have all the star power, and they would have so many high records and all that stuff.
1: Not the Rangers, apparently. You know what? The more I think about that that TV sh- section on ESPN where they said the Rangers don't count, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's just Americans discounting hockey again." You know what? Maybe we overreacted. They were saying the Rangers don't count because the Rangers never win shit. <laughs>
0: It's true. I mean, you really think that, you know, you got teams like the Giants who have more Super Bowls. No, I think they. Ha- I think they're equal. I think they have four Super Bowls, so they're four cups. Or do you just look at? The- do you think that the Yankees just look at them and be like, ah, that's cute?
1: I think the Yankees are like, well, nobody argues who, who is New York's team, like no one at all.
0: Right. That's like. That's like if you're a New York fan and you think that the Jets are like the New game. team, when the Giants have four Super Bowls.
1: Yeah. Just or, well, I guess
0: no. I guess the Giants are, would be more of a Jersey team, though.
1: Well, they have the New York, the New York name, right?
0: True, but I mean they, they had all that success playing in Jersey, though.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, they, they did move.
0: Yeah. Crime Police Defenseman Morgan Riley moved into a tie for fifth alongside Brian McCabe for most 40 plus point seasons by defenseman in franchise history.
1: Wait, the Giants used to play out a Yankee stadium? Yep. What? How do you fit a football state a football field inside a baseball stadium? Surprisingly, it was pretty snug not surprised at all i'm just amazed they fit it
0: well i think if i'm not mistaken i think the jets played at a shea stadium where the mets played
1: the giants also played <laughs> out of shea stadium
0: yeah and now the jets and the giants both share a stadium in
1: New Met life yeah but yeah like they haven't actually played in new york since 76
0: i know and they spent two years they played at yale which new haven's not even that close you know it's it's sad because the nfl network did a whole thing about this i think the show was called the timeline where they talked about the giants move into new jersey and when they won the super bowl with Lawrence taylor and all those guys (laughs) and how they were talking about how munaki was like this little town in jersey where i guess Near the stadium, and they were gonna host the Super Bowl parade. Because man, his New York told them to fuck off. <laughs> it's true. It's honestly, it's one of those stories that you can't make that up. <laughs> that the, the that the mayor of New York City basically told <laughs> New Jersey, "Oh, okay. Well, you want to play there? You'll be paying for the fucking parade." <laughs> <laughs> and then the active mayor, and then like the. Uh, not the active mayor, but his like the guy acting, like the acting mayor, he goes to the stadium where they're doing the Super Bowl parade and they boot him.
1: <laughs> Incredible.
0: <laughs> it's honestly I'll have to show it to you one day. It's honestly a great, great documentary. Now going back to talking about Morgan Riley, Tim, and you know, one comment I have to do we make him up, Brian McCabe. You know, for the disrespect that we show him when it comes to the own goal in overtime. Uh-huh. You, you tend to forget like him having five 40 plus plus point seasons was not that crazy at one time. And now you yeah, got Morgan and- Riley here.
1: Yeah. And Morgan Riley is definitely one of those guys where I don't even know what to say about him. Cause like, I do wonder like, is he really a number one defenseman? But then he just puts up the point. And you're like, okay, I guess. Cause like, it never looks right with him, you know?
0: It, he looks very stiff.
1: And he kind of has like the Eric Carlson thing going on where the offense is good, but the defense is suspicious to say the least. Like it was, it's not as bad as it was with Jake Gardner. Mm-hmm. But it's like the defense is just questionable to the point where I think like, between Morgan Riley and Thomas Shabbat. Morgan Riley, I think right now the offense is a little better. But Shabbat's defense is miles, miles ahead of what Morgan Riley does.
0: Yeah, but it also even helps.
1: this season.
0: I know, but the thing is about Morgan Riley is that he really is, he's kind of like what Shabbat was the last couple of seasons, where he was just kind of left him on an island by himself.
1: But then again, like Morgan, it's not like Morgan Riley has bad, lately has had bad pairings because he's playing with TJ Brody. And TJ Brody is a very good defenseman. Yeah,
0: but early on in his career, I mean, you look at some of the guys he got paired with, and you're like... Oh,
1: like Dion Fanof and Jake Gardner?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's look up,
1: like, the 2017 season. This'll be wild. We got the
0: last laugh, because at least we won a playoff series with Dion.
1: I don't know how... Yeah, I don't know how, but...
0: No, oh, sorry. We won two playoff series with Dion.
1: At the same time, though, like the 2017... I don't know how people actually thought Toronto was going to win a playoff series in 2017-2018 with uh, these defense pairings. Okay. Riley Hainsey, Ooh, Zaitsev Gardner, Olek and Borgman, or Carrick and Dermott. That was the defense for the 2017-2018 team.
0: But they still had Matthews.
1: Like, they had Matthews. That's how they got into the playoffs. But, uh, Hainsey, Riley, Zaitsev, Gardner as your top four? What? What is that? <laughs> like, holy. Oh, and then there was the CC year. Where it was the riley Cece pairing.
0: Four games. That's all it took Toronto fans to hate him. was four games.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, these, these D-pairings are... That's nightmare fuel. Right? At least once they got, like... TJ Brody really solidified things there.
0: Yeah, and Jake Muzzin. When he and was Muzzin,
1: up. yeah. But... Man. Like we make fun of the like Ottawa's defense, but yeah. Actually, it's kind of wild that in uh 2020, 2021, the Leafs actually only played six defensemen for more than two hundred and fifty minutes. Really? Yeah. That's actually really impressive. Very few teams do that.
0: Damn. Well, Tim, we're going to close off top of the hour by talking about the Calgary Flames and their forward, Michael Backlund, who moved into ninth for the... Oh, excuse me. <coughs> Calgary Flames forward Michael Backlund moved into ninth for most career road points in franchise history with 227. Backlund was two points behind. Kent Nielsen for eighth
1: at the time of the story. It's really good to hear what guys kind of get neat records, especially in a Masterson season. And for a guy who's definitely more defensive focused, it's good to see that he's pretty clutch. So he break clutch. And this has all happened in a season where I believe he got I think it was Backlund, or was it Rasmus Anderson, that got hit in a sidewalk while riding a scooter in Detroit. Anderson. It was Anderson. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, yeah, like it's very cool. Very wild. Love to see it. Yeah,
0: and you know what's funny? I bet how fucked up the car must have been.
1: Yeah. It's a very big thing to hit.
0: It is true, Tim. It is true. Well, Tim, that wraps up Top of the Air for this week, which can mean only one thing. So I'm talking about some games. Now, we got four games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Blue Jackets, Sens versus the Hurricanes, Sens versus the Panthers for the Truck Bowl, and the Lightning versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music.
1: Time to play the game. Time to play the game.
0: Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Blue Jackets. This is a four to three Blue Jackets overtime victory. Sens scores are scored by Dylan Cambrel, Mark Castelak, and Alex to Blue Jackets close to script by Kent Nielsen, Eric Robinson, Boone Jenner, and Kirill Marichico. Shots were 27-22 by the Senators. I don't know about you, Tim, but I feel that the Blue Jacket games when we play them, it's always a skip game for me.
1: Well, they just aren't a very good team. And frankly, this was a goaltender loss.
0: Like oh, the
1: skaters did everything they needed to, dominated pr- most of the shifts, oh outplayed all their opposition, got three goals, and then Talbot drops a point eight two. Like hindsight being twenty twenty, man, that trade did not work out. Yeah,
0: I mean, hell, it could have been twenty twenty. The shot would have still went right through him. Yeah. True. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this game was just an absolute snore fest. And, I, again, I always kind of drag watching the Columbus games when we play them. Because you're absolutely right. The Blue Jackets are not a good team. But they're just one of those games that, even when they were good, they played such a defensive style that was kind of boring to watch, as a if, even if you're a casual viewer of hockey. But it, it helped them win games back in the day. Man, can't. For that, so I do got two guys I want to talk about here, Tim. Now, Alex brinkett I really like his goal in this one because he does this little sidestep over the D-man and wrists it home.
1: Yeah, and it's good to see Alex brinkett still has the creativity to score those sort of goals for a season where, like, the word underperformance has been thrown around a lot.
0: It has. And, you know, it's something that I've always... But the guys,
1: if he has a good final two games, he'll hit 30.
0: Yeah, and that's a thing. But you know what? I think a lot of fans were expecting, like, the second coming of Danny Healy. Yeah. I think a lot of fans were expecting, because he scores 40 again with the Blackhawks last season. We trade the seventh pick. He comes over, and now fans are expecting, oh, yeah, he's now playing with Tim Stutzlow. This is not going to be a hard transition. But he was just so snake bitten to start the season. But once he got it going, he was very consistent.
1: Yeah, so it's like, I really, I have no problem bringing Alex to bring Kit back. And uh, seeing those sorts of goals, you're like, yep, that's what we need. And I think if Ottawa is healthier to start the year next year, we'll probably see 40 goals out of
0: to 100%, especially if you have them with, say, Josh Norris.
1: Yeah, like if we could try out the Norris Giroux to line again.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I, I can't really blame Dabrinkit for this season. I honestly, I thought he's been pretty good for us. So, and I've been happy. I think I had pretty tippet expectations because I wanted to see what he does here. My expectation was not, yeah, he's going to come in and score 50 goals. No.
1: But just, yeah, his inability to buy a goal early in the year was really something. Uh, But the funny thing about kit is, like, his underlying was still good. It was just all of a sudden, the finishing just fell off a cliff. Just very weird.
0: It is weird, but he made up for it by at least becoming a very good playmaker, though. Yeah. I, oh, I think that's, sure. I, I know I have it in my notes here on one of the games, I believe it was. It's the next game out. So I'll bring up the comment here, but yeah, I, again, he made up for being such a good playmaker because he figured it out because He played with guys like Claude Giroux. He made plays for Tim Stutzla. He made plays for these guys. So you can't say he didn't perform.
1: Yeah, and it's not even a down year for points for him.
0: No. No, he just got points in other ways. Exactly. And another guy I want to talk about and this is something that you mentioned about this was a goalie loss, Cam Talbot. And news broke today that the Senators were not going to bring him back for next season, and I'm not on that one. Apparently there haven't been any talks for new contracts since December, but games like this really did reinforce the fans beliefs that the Sens should not bring him back next year.
1: Yeah, and like the hard thing is Cam Tablet's health wasn't great this season either. No. And uh, let's just hope that Anton Forsberg is healthier. The Ottawa Senators are going for what seemed like a position of strength at the beginning of the year to... A pretty big question mark. Because like if Anton Forsberg's career is done due to that gruesome double MCL that he suffered, the the Ottawa Senders are missing a starter.
0: Yeah. And it's not like they can go to free agency and try and pick up a guy because honestly, there's just not many goalies hitting free agency this year.
1: Yeah. You have to wonder if maybe you can try to pry Swayman out of Boston.
0: Yeah, you do that, and I know even some fans. I don't think it's, I don't think it's plausible. Try to get Thatcher Demko from Vancouver, but I just uh, think that price tag would be so high. Like, there's no way the Sens would go for it.
1: I don't think Ottawa even has the assets.
0: No, and plus, I mean, I couldn't see the Bruins trading Swayman within the division
1: though. No.
0: It'd be nice, but I just can't see it.
1: Well, it's like I don't. Yeah, they don't have to trade Swayman.
0: No, exactly. I mean, fuck, they won sixty three games with both. So
1: yeah, because like he's cost controlled RFA, just coming off as ELC, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's gonna depend on the Bruins cap situation too. But the Senators are not exactly gonna be no big into the cap, right? Because they only have what ten million bucks next season to sign a couple
1: of guys. Yeah yeah cuz like well gets new contract, Shane Pinto's new contract, well, who knows what actually happens with Travis Hamminek. And then Brantstrom's RFA again. Yeah. Cuz I think okay. right now the Senators have 15 million to play with, but like yeah. Josh Norris is on the IR. So that brings you down to about 8
0: Sens versus Hurricanes. This is a three to two Hurricanes overtime victory. Sens goes scored by Claude Giroux and Brady Chuck. Excuse me. Hurricanes goes record scored by Jesperi Braden Brady Shea, and Martin Nekas in overtime. Shots for 37 28 for the Hurricanes. I really got to give it to Levon Muralin in this game. 34 saves, a 0.19, 919 say percentage. Looked really solid for a young guy, Yeah, even if he got the L.
1: The funny thing is, is like Ottawa and Carolina played pretty tight at even strength, but that Carolina power play was just clicking. And that really was the difference. Especially because like anti Ranta also played very well for Carolina.
0: Mm-hmm. No, he played very well for the Hurricanes. And the Hurricanes are one of those teams that for whatever reason, and I've never been able to figure this out, they have always had our number. They're just one of those teams, even when the Hurricanes were not good. They were one of those teams that you looked, they came into the building like, oh, yeah, that's going to be an easy W. And for some reason, through some bullshit, they would end up beating us.
1: But then again, we cashed in all that karma in one night last year. With the Forsberg game. That is true. Like, I think that was the moment where I think most people kind of realized that oh, Forsberg might actually be the starter here because he had been consistently good and then had an elite game on top of that.
0: Now, we were talking about Alex Debrinken a few minutes ago. Now, he did have two assists in this game. And again, it really shows that he doesn't need to score to be an efficient player or not mm-hmm. play for the Ottawa Senators.
1: Yeah, and he just has that really good offensive toolkit that he's been able to use in a myriad of different situations. I've actually been, through these games, I've actually been pleasantly surprised with the play of uh, Levin and Bernard Docker. They're getting easier minutes, but they're thriving in them. Mm-hmm. Like their main matchups were uh, Brady uh Pesky, Gospier, and Chatfield, and they won those. And they actually looked pretty good doing it. So like, the, I know it's like kind of meaningless, nothing meaningless minute near the end of the season, but maybe they come out rejuvenated and uh, both of them push for spots at training camp next year. And then all of a sudden Ottawa's cap situation gets a little better.
0: Yeah, it'd be really nice. I'm not going to lie with you, Tim. <laughs> so Tim, do you have any more comments on this game before we head off into the third game of the evening? Nope. Okay. Now, normally I would say that it's time to turn attention to the third game of the evening, but I believe one final time for this year, Tim, that it is time for the Chuck Bowl! Okay, Tim, it's the final to Chuck Bowl for the 2022-23 NHL season. Sens versus Panthers. Matthew Jusai took this by a score of 7-2. Sens was scored by Claude Giroux and Rigidly Greig. Panthers was scored by Alexander Barkoff with 2, Brandon Montour, Sam Reinhardt, E2, Lou Starlinen, Nick Cousins, and Gustav Forsling. Shots were 58-30 for the Senators. Now
1: you rarely, rarely lose a game like that.
0: Yeah, but you know what, Tim? When we get a score like this, there's only one clip that needs to be played.
1: Yep. Stop! Stop!
0: He's already dead. You know <sighs> how last week we were talking about the Flyers game, and I said how we had a we almost had our own version of 4 to 1 this game is like the final form of that except florida is
1: good well the problem with this game is it's just like the goaltending was bad because like what else could the forwards have done what else could the defense have done it's not like they were leaving the goalies out to dry Florida wasn't getting that many shots while Ottawa was getting volume and quantity.
0: And we have a few guys we got to talk about here in just a minute, but I want to talk about the real story of this game, Tim, because now I didn't get a chance to sit down to watch this, but from what I was reading on Twitter, this was a fairly chippy game.
1: Not surprised.
0: Lots of penalty minutes in this one. Now I do want to talk about Matthew DeChuck's hit on Alex it Now, what did you think about the hit? I personally saw it, and I didn't see it. Honestly, it looked it was a pretty clean hit. If I'm being honest, DeBrinket was just coming up. He was just, I think he was just inside the blue line, and Matthew rocked him with a hit. Okay, with a good, good, good hit with a shoulder. But then later in that game, like, DJ Smith got injected out of the game. Brady got thrown out of the game. I saw
1: Brady got thrown out, but I didn't know DJ also got thrown out. Yeah,
0: DJ got got thrown out of the game. Like, it was just one of those games where, if you look at the box score of this game, you honestly are just like, holy crap, dude. Like, I'm going to quickly bring this up for our listeners. Bring up the fucking thing here. Yep. I go all the way down to more game info. So here we go. Okay, that's going to bring it up. Dee dee dee. Come on, stupid computer. Okay, team stats. Okay, so here are the players with the most penalty minutes. Ready for this? All right, Mark Kastelik, Patrick Brown, and Brady Chuck had 17 penalty minutes. Okay. Alex Debrinkit had 12. Austin Watson had 10. So that's, mm-hmm. that's just the sentence side. Now let's look at the Panthers side. Matthew Dechuk, 17. Mark Stahl, 15. Mahura, 10. Giovanni Smith had
1: 21. What? And only Br- Brady was the only one who got a misconduct?
0: Yeah, from what I understand.
1: No, I think wow. Mark, I think
0: Mark Stahl got thrown out of the game too. I think he got five in a game.
1: Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, otherwise, that's a uh, that's quite a lot of penalties.
0: It was. Now the two guys I do want to talk about, they're both for the Florida Panthers. Alex Lyon.
1: or sorry, Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon. Lyon Lyon,
0: whatever yeah. you want to call. Fifty six saves, a .966 save percentage. He's 5-0. Imagine them running him if and when Florida makes the playoffs.
1: If I was a Boston fan, I would be so mad if you got goalied like that.
0: Well, especially when you win 63 games, you break the record. And now you got to go up against this young
1: goalie. Although it's like I think, well, Florida is probably if Florida continues playing like that, they're clear of the second wild card slot because I think they're, I think they're guaranteed at least one point. Yeah, they beat they took Toronto to overtime, so they're guaranteed at least one point. Mm-hmm. So I think they're pretty clear. They will more than likely be the first wild card, not the second. So they will play one of Carolina, New Jersey, or New York.
0: And the other guy I want to talk about here, Brandon Montour. Now, he became the first Panthers defenseman to post multiple four-point games. But also, he hit 70 points for the very first time in his career. Oh, wow. Good for him. 100%, man. 100%. Now, we're going to move on and talk about the fourth and final game of the evening. Lightning versus Senators. That's a 7-4 to Senators victory. Lightning goals are scored by Steven Stamkos, Brandon Hagel, Victor Hedman, and Braden Point. Sens goals are scored by Drake Batherson, Julian Gauthier, Patrick Brown, Alex Dobrynkit, Igor Sokolov with his first NHL goal, Mark Kastelik, and Claude Giroux. Shots for 40, 24 for the Senators. Now this is, again, this is a, a game that I didn't really get a chance to sit down and watch much of, but you really got to hand it to our bottom six for getting auto on the W in this game.
1: Yeah. And like, that was kind. It's funny how just bottom six scoring was hard to find for the senders at the beginning of the year. And now all of a sudden it's kind of there. And I've been pretty happy with just the play of like, especially Mark Kastelik and Dylan Gambrell has been playing pretty well as well. So It'll be interesting to see who comes back, who's gone next season. But I expect, like, well, I, I expect Kastlik will probably be the team's fourth center.
0: He would have to be, right?
1: Yeah. Because, yeah, the team probably lines up Stutzla, Norris, Pinto, Kastlik. Then either Gambrell's gone or lines up in uh that fourth, 13th for role, patrick brown's gone yeah so you can definitely see where the senators are kind of lining up and it looks pretty good and what's i tampa just hasn't looked right and they're kind of slumping into the playoffs
0: yeah but you know what the one thing about tampa bay and we've We said, you know, we found this out hard way in the past is that Tampa Bay is not a team that you can really count out once the playoffs start.
1: That's true, but it's not looking good.
0: No, but I think for Tampa Bay, when you watch him play the Sens, is that they're not playing Vasilevsky. They're playing, they're playing Brian Elliott. So if they do, if they do go, say, Tampa Bay, Toronto in the first round.
1: Yeah.
0: Ian Mendez mentioned this on a recent podcast. He says that. Toronto fans have to have a mindset of they're going into the series already down one nothing because is going to steal Tampa a game.
1: That's fair. That's fair. But it's also like ugh, th- those forwards look cooked. Yeah. Like, that's the worry.
0: I don't see them getting back to the finals. I see them maybe winning a playoff series and then bowing out in the second round.
1: Yeah. Because like I don't – the way Boston's playing right now and has basically played this entire season, I don't see them losing to either the Islanders or Pittsburgh.
0: No. No, that's an easy sweep right there.
1: And, yeah. And if the Tampa Toronto is another long series – that second round series is not going to be fun for whoever wins that.
0: No. No, it really isn't. I mean, well, especially if Boston sweeps the first round, they go into the second fresh. And yeah. now you're going to have to face most likely Tampa Bay. Because let's be honest, is not going to win the playoffs this year.
1: Oh, no. I'm not sure T- Vasilevsky can steal four games.
0: I mean, he single-handedly won them the series last year, other than him and Nick Paul.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, because they they looked not good last year.
0: No, they did not. I remember watching those games in the first round thinking, there's no way that Tampa Bay should be winning this.
1: But then again, I guess, like, if we go by fancy stats, Florida's taking it to Toronto right now. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, Toronto's been better of the two, but I'm not sure if Toronto's been good. Well, no, I think Toronto's been good. But, like, yeah, they haven't exactly been rip roaring it either, other than a, a drubbing of Montreal. Yeah, Toronto has not been inspiring as of late. So, yeah maybe it is just two teams fumble into a two very good teams sleepwalk into the playoffs and who knows
0: so i've got a couple players we're going to talk about here first off igor Sokolov, his first nhl goal now let's talk about the play in general because i'm sorry if i'm not sure who the P- bolts defenseman was but he blows a tire Sokolov gets the puck and you know, his first reaction go to your backhand, but he kind of goes halfway to his backhand and tips it between his legs.
1: Yeah, that's that cool. Move. That's cool. I'd like to see I'd like to see Sokolov get a bit stronger over the offseason and really push for his spot in Ottawa come next season because he is a good player. He is a really good player. Or at least I think he has the ability to be a good player.
0: He is. And he's got such a good attitude too. It mm-hmm. just seems like a guy who's just so genuinely happy to be there.
1: Yeah, and like, what more can you ask for?
0: Exactly. Now, Julian Gauthier is a guy I want to talk about here. Not so much because of the fact he scored, but because of how he scored. Now, as some people know who listen to this podcast, Joe Sakic was my favorite player growing up. Yep. Gauthier scores on a wrist shot very Joe Sakic like
1: just, just skates right in leg, there. Yep.
0: One leg and a little snap. That's all it needed.
1: That's the weird thing about Julian Gauthier. is you could see that he has the skill. It's just never Eddie's fast. It just never seems to be put together. You know.
0: Yeah, such a sense player too, right?
1: Yeah, he's definitely one of us.
0: One of us. One, one of, of, us. of us. Yeah. And the last guy I want to talk about here, Alex Debrinkit. Now, I might be wrong on this, but I believe he did score a goal in the second period that got called off due to being offside. And I'm glad that he countered by getting that goal late in the second period.
1: Yeah, because I think that was the eventual game winner, right? No, so one, two, no, three, sure- four. Sokolov's was.
0: No, Sokolov got his first. Uh I got uh, made it five, six, three, six, four. And then Claude Giroux scored the empty netter.
1: Yeah. Well, Sokolov's fifth goal was the was the eventual winner. But uh, yeah, no, that's awesome.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you want to head after the close for another episode,
1: yeah, sounds good, my dude.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at Third Line Plug. You can find me on both at Great White Gipster. And you can find Tim on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So, Tim, next week's episode is our season six finale. All righty. Hard to believe, man. It's hard to believe we've already done our sixth season, and we only got two games to talk about for next week. We've got this evening's game versus the Carolina Hurricanes at home, which we are currently winning five. Sorry, three to two, and Thursday we we close out the 2022-2023 season with a game in Buffalo versus the Sabers.
1: Be a good way to end off a season that. If we just got a little luckier, we probably would have made the playoffs. Yeah.
0: But unfortunately, it is what it is, Tim. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Eric Gibson.
1: And this has been Tim Jaxi.
0: Go Woo!